It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cougs house. All right. We slept it off a little bit. We recuperated. It's been 36 hours. Let's talk Auburn. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougars Day, a podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater came to step by, please be sure to subscribe down below that we can lay us in the Cougs into your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to YouTube channel. Good to see you again. We are just over 800 subscribers. Remember, every 250, we're giving something away. We're approaching 1,000. Uh, we're looking forward to giving something fun away there. So let's continue to hit subscribe down below. Get us there to make sure you're entered in the contest. Get something. Uh, tell us, A, if you think, have thoughts on this game as we prepare for Auburn or what have you. Or B, Tell us what your favorite flavor of potato chips are. I'm uh, you know, a little controversial here. I'm more of a salt and vinegar guy myself. Tell us what you like. All right. So in this matchup, I think um, everyone's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Everyone is really, really nervous and anxious after a tough first-round matchup against Northern Kentucky. Houston got the best punch from Northern Kentucky and, frankly, a very, very uh, – impressive performance from Northern Kentucky. Hats off to them. That program is skyrocketing again. Just a Division One program for 11 years. Wins the Horizon League Conference uh, just last week and is now obviously like put themselves on the map a little bit. They're getting some of the best players out of the state of Kentucky, uh, including a Kentucky Gatorade Player of the Year like just last year, right? So big, big, strong program. But now Houston looks towards Auburn. And I actually weirdly think while their athletes are more athletic, Right. And there are some ways that they're a much better program. They're almost a better matchup for Houston because of the things that they do and don't do well. Um, and so the big discussion here will be about that having to play them in Birmingham. So we're going to talk a little bit about the matchup from Houston's perspective, then some about playing them in Birmingham and like what that means and why that's upsetting people. And then in the third segment, we're actually going to bring on a guy named Chris Gordy, who you may recognize from <laughs> 790, but he also is coming on to talk as the host of Locked On SEC, a little bit about uh, what Auburn's season has looked like and how the Cougs match up with the uh, Tigers. I keep want to say Eagles, but they they just say War Eagle and Go Tigers. I, it makes sense to them, I'm sure. I did say that Zach Black would be here today to talk about Locked on Auburn. Uh, however, they have exciting news in their family. They're having another child, and it sounds like as of about 2 o'clock on Friday morning, I got a text saying, hey, can't talk, sorry, and then I assumed that that's what was going on. Um, congrats to Zach and all those guys. But um, in looking at this matchup, I look at uh, the guy to me to stop uh, is a kid named Wendell Green. He is listed at 5'11", seventy-five. I bet he's closer to 5'10". 175. Um, he is spark plug type energy, though. Really fast, really aggressive, really good at getting downhill, and really good at getting to the foul line. Some of you have heard this before. A dynamic, scoring, aggressive, driving point guard, a little undersized, really good at getting to the free throw line. He's Auburn's Kendrick Davis in every sense of the way, right? He's the same kind of attacking player. He doesn't average many points per game, does not shoot the ball as well, but does the same kinds of things and is on this crazy hot free throw streak. Whereas an 85% free throw shooter, he shot like and made like 35 in a row or something like that, and it's like the longest streak in Auburn history. 
Um, he's done really, really, really well at getting downhill and he gets his assist and kickouts by getting downhill and spitting out. Now, statistically on the season, Auburn is not a particularly strong three point shooting team. And I feel like if regression to the mean happens, that obviously favors Houston, you collapse on the drives and those kind of things and force them to shoot threes. However, it's worth pointing out that they have shot fairly well since losing to Tennessee just over a month ago. Um, at some point that will cool off. They played like, Auburn played Alabama with some juice, obviously, because it's Auburn versus Alabama, but played them very, very well. But otherwise, it's kind of missing that marquee win. If anything, they lost early in the season to teams like Vanderbilt and Memphis. Uh, and, and so, like, they beat an Iowa team on Thursday in an impressive fashion. We're up 17 points at one point in that game. But on the whole, it's like, who is this team? Who are they? Um, Wendell Green again leads the way for them. Uh, the big guy I was impressed with, and uh, no pun intended, was Johnny Broom. He's listed at 6'10, 235. Um, he's a double double kind of guy in that uh Iowa game. I guess he had uh was 19 and 12. Uh, he's more of a 14 and eight and a half kind of guy in the season, but he's playing very, very well as of late. And he's the kind of aggressive big fellow that could give Houston problems. Now I trust Juwan Roberts. We've just seen Juwan Roberts get in foul trouble. I trust Reggie Cheney. We've just seen Reggie Cheney get in foul trouble. And so how do those calls and bumps and stuff go down low? Could be a big, big factor. He's not like a skilled scorer. And I don't mean that like skills versus time. No, he just, he's aggressive and goes after offense rebounds and those kinds of things. A really, really hard roller. Uh, they also use Aiden Flanagan. Who's got some big length. He's listed just six, six, but plays long. So, uh, you know, do with that as you may. And then the other four that play is a kid named Jalen Williams, who is a pick and pop threat of, of a team that I would not classify as a good three point shooting team. Jalen Williams is a good three point shooter. Right. Uh, and then Zepp Jasper is a guy that like, we'll let, uh, <laughs> we'll let Chris Gordy talk about him more in a moment. Cause I look at stats. He's like, huh, this guy didn't know a whole lot. And then I watch the game. It's like, Oh, he does a lot of things, right? There's a lot of things that don't show up in the stat book for this team. Um, he's the guy taking charges. He's the guy leading the press or press break. He's the guy, I guess when they have to press, he'd be leading the press. He's a lot of different things. I want to take a little bit about their man offense that I see. And it's just a simple one, five pick and roll. Um, sometimes they'll do a double screen and then pop out of a drag. And we talked about drag before. Um, but what I think Houston's got to do to cover this is, You'll see here they've got oh, – where's my screen? Okay, they have a simple pick and roll here, and what Houston's got to do is tag the roller by sliding over from the backside corner because, again, outside of one or two guys, unless they're hot that day, they don't shoot the three ball particularly well. They shot it well lately, but on the season, you got to assume things regress to the means. What that leads to is going to be some sort of an X out, close out from the corner here. So you got, like, obviously if this were – Jarris Walker or Emmanuel Sharp or someone over here on the side sliding over to tag the roller, I mean, take him away. And that's when you get to this action where once they hit the roller, the slide over tag picks him up, right? And then the other help side guy has to just play the next pass and then you rotate out of it, et cetera. That creates some sort of a crossing action typically where like he hits four would hit uh, 12 right here, 20 on one, I guess to you guys. And then X can, uh, the lower defender and the help side can pop up and then the guy that tagged the roll can slide over. And that creates a cross screen, or what we call it, uh, not cross screen, I'm sorry, a crossing action or an X out, box out kind of thing where you're theoretically forcing a catch and shoot jump shot of a guy that you want to shoot the ball. There are a number of guys that statistically, again, I would want to see Houston force jump shots. But that may be all for naught because I think what they actually end up doing without Marcus Sasser is. They come out and play zone. Um, we saw Houston against Kendrick Davis because Kendrick Davis is really good at getting to the free throw line, go to a zone. 
Um, and, you know, I think it's worth pointing out that this kid, Wendell Green, does a very does some things very similarly. He does get to the free throw line. Um, let me make sure I had this correct, but he's getting to the free throw line seven times a game. So, like, uh, again, that's that's a lot in a 40-minute college basketball game. So can Houston go to a zone to mitigate him getting to the line? And, frankly, the way to beat a zone would be to shoot threes. If Auburn is shooting more of their season averages from three-point line, I think that Houston lives with that. It also provides a few more of those bodies inside to get rebounds when you're a little bit undersized relative to what Auburn is doing. Um, the big, big question here is in running that zone, will Marcus Sasser play? Can you hide him in that zone and maybe get him for some more catch and shoot opportunities offensively because he showed he still can do that. Now, as of the recording of this episode, there is no indication of anything about Sasser's leg um, that tells us anything more than we knew last night, right? Uh, on Thursday, I should say. Now, I, I will say um, that I almost wonder if, given this game, and the way it goes, you might be more concerned about Jamal Shedd's knees. Uh, Jamal Shedd has been very firm, and all and things on the internet indicate the same, that he is going to play in this basketball game. It's just what level is he effective? How much playing will he be doing? Um, and so I think that's an interesting way to go about this, but I also think it's, uh, you know, if Shedd plays and is 90% of himself, I feel fairly confident about Houston in a number of different ways because this is a team that I think is a little bit longer and more athletic, but otherwise comparable to the Cincinnati's of the world. We saw what Houston did to the Cincinnati of the world without Marcus Sash in the second half of that game. If they approach the game, knowing this is on their shoulders, there's no gut punch of Sasser going out in the middle of the game, right? I think that was hard. And uh, Kellen Sampson said as much after the game, it was hard to swallow in game when that happened. All that to say that assuming they sit Sasser on Saturday, I don't, He'll try and give it a go, I'm sure. Um, but assuming they sit Sasser on Saturday, because it's just a little less than 48 hours after the re-injury, what I imagine happens is, you know, have an aggressive Terrence Arsenal in the starting lineup, and they pull Emmanuel Sharp back in off that six-man role as he's played so well. Um, but it hinges in a large part on Jamal Shedd attacking downhill, Jamon Mark making smart decisions with the ball, Houston not turning over like against Northern Kentucky, and I think that that's who this team has been most of the season. So it feels safe to say that that is more of the MO of this team. Um, I do think that they need Marcus Hester to win a national championship. I'm not saying they don't. I'm not, I'm not silly. But I will say that having time to prepare for a game where he's not playing 24 or 48 hours even is different than changing your plan at halftime of a game right? Not that their plan in the first half had gone well, but we've seen Houston play slow first halves and blow it out in the second half and win by 25-30, right? So I, I think that that's going to shift the way this game goes a lot. Um, I also think it's worth pointing out that like Auburn played over their heads to beat Iowa. It felt like on Thursday. Um, Auburn people all over the country are talking about how, like that's the best game they've played all season. Um Admittedly, they shot as well as they have all season. They're scoring more like in the low 70s per game, and they scored 83. Like they, All statistics indicate that that was the best game they played all season. The big thing here will be, can they ride the same home court energy in a, a second-round game? Now, I am one that typically will say, who cares where you play? The whole point of this game is that, you know, like if you're Houston – you're constantly playing these like test type of road games early in the season, ready for this kind of stuff. Houston is undefeated in the true road. They lost one neutral site game, et cetera, on the year, right? And so like on the whole, 
you would think that this is a, a strong move for Houston. It's okay for Houston to play on the road. I think the issue people have with, I think is a valid concern, is the committee drawing up the tournament is always cognizant of making sure that the lower seeds don't get a home court advantage in the first round. That's it, the first round. They don't guarantee things after that. So theoretically, you could have a like number two seeded Kansas State playing in the Elite Eight game in Kansas or something like that, right? Like those kinds of things can happen, but they don't try and give you anything within a short distance of your campus in the first round. And this is exactly like at that line where it's about a two hour drive from Birmingham to Auburn. And I don't think it's that, like, if this was the Sweet 16, it'd just be something you struggle with. That's just the way it goes. You play Sweet 16 there, that's, that's awful, right? That's the way it goes. Um, I think the complaint out of Houston is accurately, and Kelvin Sampson is quick to point out that they were the nine seed. This was a disadvantage in the first round, right? <laughs> and like, like, this isn't, this is this one game you set up and know who's playing where, right? Um, and so I think that is a valid concern. I know people are talking about Houston's being a baby and this and that and the other thing, but Houston's not complaining about the fact they have injuries to their best player. They're talking about something that the tournament could have fixed, right? And I think that's going to be really, really interesting. What I imagine happens is um, the crowd is really, really into it early, and if Houston can squelch it, you hopefully get some of the Roll Tide Alabama fans because they're playing in the same location. Um kind of leave the stadium those kinds of things right um i will say that as loud and raucous as that stadium was on thursday it's only going to be louder on a saturday and that is if houston plays with their food early the kind of thing that could happen here as well um i anticipate a large game out of jairus walker just walker had a very very strong outing on thursday and i think it's only going to amp up his play to be playing more comp- uh, stronger competition on Saturday, um, you know, as great as Jalen Williams is as a true like pick and pop kind of guy. Um, and that's who I imagine his matchup is. That is Jairus. Um, he is he's not Jairus Walker. Jairus Walker's a top 10, top five pick on some people's draft boards. I'd imagine that we get to see some dominance there, both in the help side defense kind of aspects and in some high, low, low post kind of actions. Houston can beat these guys high, low. I don't mean that they have to have like the guard play, etc. Um but I imagine the high-low goes more from a Jawan Roberts high hitting a Jairus Walker low than the inverse, um, just because athletically that's the muscle of Jairus Walker is kind of the matchup they win there as opposed to quickness and athleticism side to side. Um, that's the great thing about having Jairus. You could pick both ways. Um, to talk a little bit more about Auburn specifically, I wanted to bring on Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC. Um, he watches the whole conference. He pays attention to the whole conference. He's also a familiar name because of his uh, work he does with Radio 790 in Houston. So yes, it's the same guy. I promise. You know what? Let's, let's bring him on. All right. So joining us is a uh, Houstonian, but in this instance, we're going to talk about it as host of Locked on SEC, uh, Chris Gordy. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's it's the middle of March Madness, and uh, you know we got uh, Ask Your Astros hat. We're in the middle of Astros spring training. We, you know, we got uh, the draft coming up, so it's a good time of year, especially for uh, for Houston fans because you got everything happening right now. Everything happening. I mean, the teams that are down are looking forward to the draft, and the teams that are up are winning. Like all those kinds of things going on. Um, in 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 this role, we're talking about you know the SEC and Auburn and those kinds of things. I, I have to say, SEC as a conference had a pretty good 
first day of March Madness. As you were taking that in, purveying the entire conference, what did you think? Yeah, it was um, it was a rough start with Mississippi State in the first four. You know, they lose on a on a wide open three that they could have and really should have hit. And so they lose. And so, you know, you're quickly your SEC eight teams in. You're quickly down to seven that quick before the rest of the games even start. But it was a it was a heck of a day on Thursday for the conference. I mean, Tennessee uh, won, Alabama won going away. Um, you know, Auburn and Arkansas were two teams I thought had a chance to be upset or, or lose on day one. And they both impressed, um, you know, particularly Auburn. Uh, you know, we'll get into it here. I thought Auburn played their best game of the season. So. Um, yeah, it was a good day for the conference overall. And, you know, when, when people are touting the big East and the big 12, the big 12 and the pac 12 is, Oh, these are the most dominant basketball conferences and all this. It was good to see Arizona go down. Virginia goes down the ACC. So, uh, yeah, it was a good day for the SEC overall. Good day for the SEC overall, which is hard for me to stomach sometimes, but it is. Um, Auburn, you mentioned played their best game of the season. The listener and I watched that game fairly intently because we knew going into that one that if Houston could hold off the number 16 seed, which proved harder than it might have been otherwise, Houston would get to play the winner of that game. And I was really, really impressed with Auburn from a macro level. What can you tell us about Auburn's season this year, if that's the best they're playing, the peaking right now? Yeah, and I said kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, tongue in cheek. I mean, they um, they had a really good win over Missouri a couple weeks ago where they beat Missouri, who we saw just won their tournament game yesterday over Utah State. Uh, they beat Missouri by like 30 or something a few weeks ago. So that was like that was maybe their most uh, defining win. Um, but but the big thing to me, like as I watched Auburn throughout the season was what's their resume win? Like it, when they were trying to put together a good resume for the committee to selection committee to get a good seed. I didn't see one until the last week of the season. They upset Tennessee, uh, you know, who's highly ranked. And so that was that was their first big resume win in my mind on the year. But outside of that, this Auburn team has just been a little bit disappointing. I mean, um, you know, they bring in some highly touted recruits like they have every year. But I thought last year's team with Jabari Smith, who we see with the Houston Rockets, was way more talented than this Auburn team. And so kudos to them, man. I, I You know, I talked with a guy over at the Action Network a couple of days ago who said, look, I may not be high on Auburn, but Iowa's really bad. You know, he said, this, is, this is a bad Iowa team. So take that with a grain of salt. Did Auburn have one of their most impressive just overall performances of the year? I thought, yeah. I mean, they shot 46% from the field. They made eight threes. Uh, for the most part, made their free throws. And they played well. It was a balanced attack. When you talk, you know, Johnny Broom and Wendell Green and, uh, you know, even Flanagan has had a, a down year this year. Even he hit 10 points. So, it was it was an overall good effort. They had some bench help from Katie Johnson, so it was a good balance attack from Auburn. They did what they, when they're when they're rolling and they're really doing what they do well. They're getting out, they're running on offense, and they're defending you physically on the other side. And I thought Auburn did that very well against Iowa, and, and of course they got the eighty three seventy five win. So great win for Auburn, but this is going to be a different animal facing, of course, one seed Houston. Well, and let's let's pause for a minute on Johnny Broom because I was really impressed by both he and Wendell Green in that t- conference game. Um, can you tell us, is that, I mean, he got 19 and 12 on the game and was a big energy guy. Is Johnny Broom's performance against Iowa kind of his MO? Was that an outlier? It sounds like he's been that guy all year. Yeah, he kind of has. And this is a guy who, who transferred in from Moorhead State, and the thought was he was going to come in and kind of be that scorer for for Auburn this year. And and he mostly has. He's been – it's kind of alternated between him and Green throughout the year on who's the leading scorer. But it's just – you know, again, like they've got some decent pieces. You know, Zeb Jasper for being 
a guy who has been their their point guard all year. It's so weird. Go look at ja- Jasper's like box scores. He doesn't do anything. Like he'll have <laughs> games where he play like twenty minutes and have like one assist, no points. Like it, it's just so he's the weirdest uh, point guard of a of a team like an Auburn team that's supposed to be so loaded. And Bruce Pearl does a really good job. But yeah, the scoring comes down to it's Wendell Green and it's Johnny Broom. But Broom does a really good job of attacking. He's physical. He can pull down rebounds. I think he had twelve against Iowa. So. He just kind of does a little bit of everything. He'll block shots. Not as good as Walker Kessler there, uh, you know, was there a couple of years ago at Auburn, but uh, he just does a, a good bit of everything. So I'd say, you know, if you're a U of H fan and you're just, who do we need to watch? Who do we need to game plan for? I would say that Johnny Broom, it, it starts with him. Wendell Green, watch for him. He's going to shoot up threes. It hasn't been shooting three ball very well. In fact, Auburn as a team all season has not sh- shot the three ball well at all. Uh, they finally started to come around here in the last week or two. I think even though they lost to Alabama, they shot the ball really well from three. So um, just something to watch there. Again, they were only eight for 22 in the Iowa game, so not great there. But U of H, that's something they they do superbly well anyway is, is defend and uh, particularly defend the, the, the three-point ball from the perimeter. So uh, I wouldn't worry as much about that. But, yeah, it starts with Broom and Williams uh, – or Broom and, and Green. Those are the two guys to watch. Because, again, you work with 790, a very unique take here where you can look at both sides. Um, if I were to tell you crystal ball pops up, go place your bets in Auburn. The thing says we're going to wake up on uh, Sunday morning and Auburn's won the basketball game. Um, what what do they need to do right? What will they have done to make that happen? Well, to me right now is the two big question marks as of this recording is is what shape is Marcus Sasser in? And, and obviously the groin injury. Um, you know, how ready is he to go? Did they make the wrong call? Did, did as good as Kelvin Sampson is, you know, did he make the wrong call in, in playing Sasser against a 16 seed that you probably could have won? Give credit to Northern Kentucky. They played their butts off, but like maybe you, you would have been better off just sitting Sasser the entire game, give him another day to rest up. And uh, man, you know, w- did he strain it even more? And now is he even going to be a go on Saturday? We're going to see. And then Jamal Shedd with his with his knee injury, um, man, those two guys are two of your most important guys. And so if they're limited, even if they play, but they're limited, man, the, the onus falls on Jairus Walker. I need to see more out of you. I need to see more out of Juwan Roberts. Like somebody's got to pick up the pick up the slack here. And so that's my concern if if I'm a Coug fan on on what's the shape of those guys. And if you're Auburn. Do you attack those guys a little bit more, put them into some more, some pick and rolls and make them have to react. And if, if Str- Str- uh, Sasser's struggling with the groin and Shed's struggling with the knee uh, and they're both going to play, man, if I'm Auburn, I'm, I'm going to try to exploit that. Well, and the guy that I think it appears to me as someone who's watched a lot less of Auburn than you have, that would be exploiting that is Wendell Green. Um, he is fairly consistently over that 14, 15 points, even been up in the low twenties a few, you know, several times this season. Um, I was really impressed the way he got downhill against Iowa. Um, I think Houston does a pretty good job of mitigating that, but he is an impressive basketball player. Um, what do you think he does best? What does Houston need to make sure they take away from him? Cause he does so many things for Auburn. Uh, don't follow him. I mean, he's, a, he's a, he's a really, really good three point shooter. I'm, I'm trying to pull up. I think he's around the 85% free throw shooter on the on the uh year he's had a handful of games where he's shot double digit free throws so that's a guy that again like you said when he gets attacking going downhill he'll attack the rim and uh and he'll get his layups but 
I would just be, if I'm, if I'm U of H, I need to be delicate in how I defend him and watch fouling him. Cause if he goes to the free throw line, uh, it's almost a guaranteed point. And, and I think what he was eight for eight in the, in the game against Iowa at the, at the line. So yeah, that's, that's just one thing I would be very conscientious about against Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. He was 11 for 12 at the line. So just something else you got to worry about with him. You talk about him getting his points. Yeah. That's where he gets a lot of them is at the, is at the line. And, uh, you know, U of H needs to watch overall. They got to watch getting into foul trouble because we know how physical they defend. And if the wet refs start blowing those whistles early, man, you, you might put yourself in a bind late in the second half. Definitely. Uh, you kind of got Friday almost off. There's just one SEC game on your slate <laughs> before you turn back around and have a bunch of teams in action Saturday. As an SEC guy or an Astros guy or just a Sports Talk 790 guy, where can people find you, Chris? Yeah, just at Chris Gordy on uh, social media, of course, uh, doing the, the daily show with uh, with our guy Stan Norfleet on Next Up on Sports Talk 790. And then uh, doing a lot of the pre and post game shows for Astros and Rockets and then uh, also doing the Lockdown SEC thing. So I'm keeping up today with all things Houston and uh, all things SEC. And who knows, maybe one day, Parker, U of H will make the jump from the Big 12 to the big old <laughs> SEC. A couple other high-profile schools have done that. Maybe Houston does one day. We'll see. Thank you so much for coming on today, Chris. Sure, anytime, Parker. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on, Chris. I'm not sure I'm jumping over the SEC at the moment. I do like Houston being in the Big 12 from a basketball standpoint as a basketball program that we're building. Uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day. We'll see. But thank you again to Chris for coming on. Uh, we'll talk throughout the game. You can find me on Twitter at Painsworth 512 P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H 512 and all things social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, etc. We'll do, be talking all things throughout the game. We'll obviously be breaking it down after for a quick at least recap on Sunday, if not a longer episode, depending on what kind of things need to be talked about. And we can, we'll be talking all things Houston Cougars each and every day of the week. So make sure you find me at Painsworth 512 P-A-I-N-S W-R-T-H 512. Hit subscribe to get the show in your news feed each and every day wherever you get your podcast. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to recommend going to Locked on College Basketball because it's March and they're a daily national college basketball. So doing a great job of breaking down all the madness of March. They don't call it March play pretty they don't call it a beauty contest it is march madness and they're covering it very very well that's andy nice over there at locked on college basketball make them your second listen of the day the ncaa tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.